Welcome to the Unfeigned Faith Bible Study, where we'll be doing a weekly Bible study, typically going through a book of the Bible together, and uh, this will go alongside our regular Unfeigned Faith podcast. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Philippians 2 is where we'll be today. <clears throat> Philippians 2, I love the book of Philippians, and and uh, we've uh, had some good uh, good discussions. I think it's a great one to end, uh, close out the week with. Uh, we're in Philippians 2. And uh, we're going to start in verse five, but uh, but it's really picking up on a previous thought. And I want to I want to show you something because uh, I believe what's going on here is uh, is uh, um, Paul is going to give a divine illustration uh, of um, of what we talked about yesterday, and that is in verse number four. He says, "Let uh, look not every man on his own." Oh, actually, back up verse three. Let nothing, no, nah, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. And I, I was talking about that a little bit. The, this idea of esteeming others better than themselves. You see, we tend to have a very high opinion of ourselves. We we love ourselves, and uh, uh, and and so when we when we when we think about this. Uh, esteeming others better than ourselves. Here, here's here's the reality. It, it means exactly what it says. Do I esteem others, another brother, another uh, fellow believer in Christ? Do I esteem them better than myself? With that in mind, he says, "Look, not every man on their own things, but on the things, of, uh, but also on the things of others." And so that, that doesn't mean we don't take care of our own stuff, but but also. I'm, I'm, I, I am my brother's keeper. This is one of those eternal truths that goes all the way back when God had asked that question to Cain about his brother, uh, Abel. Where, where is your brother? And he said, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer to that question is yes. We are our brother's keeper. We we are ought to have that looking out for one another. Uh, uh, look not every man on his own things, but the things of others also. So with that in mind, because you might, you might think of objections. You might think, boy, esteeming others better than myself. Uh, looking at them, and they're better than me. And I ought to see them in that light. See, we're very good at, at trying to, in our own mind, build ourselves up better than those around us. But to look and to say, you know what, I'm their servant. If I'm a servant of Christ, I'm a servant of all. And the greatest among you will be the servant of all. So he gives the divine illustration. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He, he, he's challenging us with this question. Make sure, put the mind of Christ in your thinking. What was Christ's motivation? What was the mind of Christ? Well, I'll tell you. Who, Jesus, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So, so he, he, here's an in, interesting thing, and uh, uh, good to see you there, uh, Brianna, and uh, on YouTube. Here's uh, uh, I'm trying to get distracted here by uh, comments for right now. We'll come back to them. Um, uh, here's the divine example esteeming others better than themselves. Think about it. To put a value on somebody, to put a value on something, it, 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 the value is what would it cost to purchase. 
Think about this. Jesus, who being the form of God, thought on a robbery to be equal with God. We see, and by the way, the, the, there's a doctrine that's attached just to, uh, just to this passage of scripture. It's called the kenosis. And, uh, and, it, and it's, it's literally, uh, uh, theologians have been arguing about it for, for, for forever. Uh, um, but, but really it's this. Christ limiting himself, lowering himself, becoming a man. And, uh, and here's what the debate is, you know, uh, did he, you know, uh, uh, did he ever cease being God? And, you know, we look at all this and, and I believe he was always the God man. 100% God, 100% man, all the time. And some say, well, he started to be God when he turned, you know, when he was there with, uh, questioning the, the people in the temple. Or he started to be God, you know, uh, I believe he was God in the manger, you see, all the way back then. But, but here's the reality. He, God, lowered himself, limited himself, saw uh, a great value in something that had no value, and that is us. He looked upon us and saw us, esteeming us better than his own life. They are worthy of him laying down his life. That's, that's the mindset. That's this divine example. And, uh, and I, you know, you know, what love is this? How, how far can, can, can you go to really, uh, analyze what Christ did for us? And he says, this is the mind that ought to be in you as believers. Hey, how many of us are willing to lay down our lives? For another believer. How about this? How many of us are willing to lay down our lives for an enemy? Isn't that what Romans 5 is all about? He talks about, you know, for a, for a just one, someone might, might, might die, you know, or, or for even a good man, some might even dare to die, but, but, uh, but, but God commended his love toward us while we are yet sinners. Christ, while we are enemies, while we were opposed to God, while we were sinners in that sinful state, that's when Christ died for us. You see, he didn't die for those and, you know, oh, there's chance, there's potential that he'll turn things around. There's, there's a chance that he's going to live for me, so I'll die for him. No, no, he died for sinful men and women. And, uh, and, and you see, that's, that's an amazing thought because when we look at this and say, esteem others better than ourselves, there's some that's easy. Uh, oh man, that's a good man. That's a, that's a godly saint, right? We'll esteem those people better than ourselves. But what about that? dirty, rotten guy that keeps running back to his sin, keeps running back to his addiction. Uh, I'm not, he's not better than me. Well, think about this. Let this mind be you, which is also in Christ. He lowered himself to rescue a sinner like me. Doesn't that just change the perspective of what it is to be a servant? I tell you. Um, so as we look at that, he's, we're commanded here by, by God to take on the mind of Christ of lowering ourselves, limiting ourselves for the sake of others, who being in the form of God, he he was God in the flesh, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. It didn't take away from God's glory because he is God. Uh, but made himself of no reputation, took on the form of a servant. Now, if it was your plan or my plan, I think we would have done it a little different. We would have maybe, maybe been a... Uh, uh, had him born into a family of royalty or, or, you know, some, some, some way where he can be respected and people would hear his message and take it seriously. No, he was born to a lowly carpenter and he took on the form of a servant. Mark, I think, uh, is the, is the, uh, the, one of the gospels that I think presents the aspect of his servanthood, uh, more than any of the others. And, uh, and it just starts off with his, uh, with his life of, um, of serving. It doesn't talk about his birth. It just says, you know, it starts off, he hits the ground running and he starts serving others. Um, 
And so it says this, um, um, made himself with no reputation, took on the form of servant, and made in the likeness of men. He was God in the form of God. And, and, and what happened? He made the, the likeness of men. Emmanuel, God with us in him, in Christ, dwelt the fullness of the Godhead. And so it says this, uh, no reputation, uh, making the likeness of men, verse 8. And being found fashioned as a man, he humbled himself. What are we talking about? We're talking about having the mind of Christ. He humbled himself. Hey, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all our cares upon him for he careth for you. Um, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. That we're commanded over and over again to humble ourselves. Now I want to say this. If we don't humble ourselves, there is one who just, who knows how to humble us. And, uh, and I think it's going to be a lot better if we go voluntarily. Humble ourselves, lower yourself. Hey, uh, don't get too big for your own britches. Yeah, you know, the Bible warns us, you know, we, we ought not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, uh, he's deceived, he's a fool. And, and so we ought to humble ourselves as he humbled himself. He lowered himself to this position, uh, of a servant, humbled himself and being obedient unto death. One of the most fascinating verses that I, that I, that I look at in scripture is this. How about Christ? It says that he learned obedience by the things he suffered. You think, can Christ learn anything? <laughs> he, he knows it all, right? He learned obedience by things he suffered. I think that's one of those verses that leaves as an example for us. That we will learn obedience by things we suffer. The psalmist said uh, that through suffering, through adversities, that, that you know, he says, it's good that I've been afflicted, that I might know thy precepts. He called, said it was a very positive thing. That he would know the precepts of God. And so, uh, uh, so here, here we see he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, a very cruel, torturous death. That's how far he'd go. Wherefore, because of that, God highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. By the way, above every name. Uh, I want to I want to say this carefully. Uh, above the name Jehovah, above every name. You see, Jehovah is the most reverent, most high, the highest name for God. In fact, I always get a chuckle out of Jehovah's Witnesses that try to insert that name every time you turn around. But the reality was, it was not a name to be used often. It was not a name to be abused. Uh, you look at uh, even. Even many of the, the Messianic Jews and uh, and those, they wouldn't even write the whole name of God. They would leave out, uh, you'd see it today, G-D. They, they wouldn't leave the whole thing out because there was a fear that if they were to write the name God and someone else might come along and put something blasphemous after it, that they'd be a part of blaspheming the name of God. You see, it's a very high and lofty name. And here it says that God had given Jesus a name, which is above every name. Wow. He's exalted his son incredibly, tremendously exalted his son. And then it says this, um, uh, above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, the things in earth, and the things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here, This is amazing. Declaring Jesus Christ as Lord brings glory to the Father. You see, those that want to diminish the name of Christ those that want to attack that deity, uh, what you understand is, is exalting the name of Jesus brings glory to God. 
He has exalted his own son. He's lifted him. He's elevated him. And boy, we could spend a lot of time on the deity of Christ, the fact that he is God and he's a fulfillment of God's plan to redeem mankind. And so we look at that. I'm reminded of excuse me, Hebrews 1, where it talks about God commanding the angels to worship him. And God, in fact, calling Jesus himself God. God the Father calling to the Son and calls him God. And he says, uh, thy throne is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Uh, talking about God, uh, Christ and his authority and his, that he's going to rule and reign and, and, and all that. Uh, uh, I tell you what, God the Father has exalted the Son. He calls us to worship the Son. Um, and uh, what a what a tremendous thought! And by the way, this is a very important thing because you look at uh, you look at John's writings, First uh, John, and and one of the things that he connects to the spirit of Antichrist is denying the deity of Christ, uh, diminishing him. Anyone that says he had not come in the flesh uh, is the spirit of Antichrist. Got some uh, mosquitoes coming out, and uh, if one picks me up and takes me away, uh, don't don't worry, I will uh, I'll be all right. <laughs> um, so he says this. Uh, and the, uh, let's see, verse number 12. Actually, I probably should wrap it up. Well, let's go a little further. Verse number 12. Wherefore, because of who Christ is, because of the, this divine example of the mind of Christ being in you and what he has done, uh, wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Because of this, because of who Christ is, because of what you've been called to do, striving together for the faith of the gospel, as we close out the last chapter with uh, that thought, uh, he says, with all these things in mind, he says this to them, he said, uh, as you've always obeyed, not not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence, he's saying, you know, uh, when the, when the apostle would come to visit, you know, it's one thing when you know when you got a visiting preacher or something. You you make sure everything's clean. You want to have a good impression, and you have guests over, just like you might in your home. You know, you're 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 you know shampooing the carpets, and you're getting everything nice. If there's paint that needs to be done, you're painting, and you know you're getting everything really nice. And, and, uh, and you know, you put your best behavior. And this is the Apostle Paul, right? And and as he would come and he would teach, what would they do? They would change things. They would, their their life. They would repent of things. They would they would get things straight. And he said he said, uh, you know, an amazing thing about you, church. You know, as he as he said in the last chapter, he said, uh, whether I come and see you or else be absent, that I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in the in, in one spirit and one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Uh, he said. And he was saying that that this is the 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 amazing thing about this church that it wasn't only when the preacher was there, but it was when he was absent. They lived in integrity, and they did the right thing. He said, "With with these things, as you've done those things, I want each of you to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling." It's a it's a great and mighty thing, and I want to say this: we ought to examine our own hearts. We ought to look inward and say, "Am I saved?" And I love to give this challenge. Are you saved for a Bible reason? Are you saved for a Bible reason? If I were to ask you, are you saved? Are you going to heaven when you die? Uh, many will say, yeah, I think I am. And they say, wonderful. Could you tell me why? Well, I believe God or I accepted Christ. Could you show me some scripture that proves that you're saved? Because we're, we're saved based on what God had said, Right. There's no other way that we know about salvation. There's no other way we can, we can look at it. It's, it's based on what God had said. 
And, uh, and so that's a very important aspect of it. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't mean I'm trying to work harder or do something. He says, with fear and trembling, make sure you work it all out. Work it all out in your mind, in your heart, understanding this, striving together for the faith of the gospel. It's amazing how it start, it says there, wherefore, because of this divine example, because of what Christ had done, because of the mind that's supposed to be in you, because of the fact that you're supposed to be serving one another, with all these things in mind, make sure you are saved. What a shame it would be to spend a life pointing others to Christ and missing the boat yourself. Amazing thought, isn't that? For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What's the first and foremost great pleasure that God wants to get from you? He must be glorified in you coming to him for salvation. He must be glorified in you fulfilling his will for your life. Namely, serving others. Namely, following the example and the pattern of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ, that you would humble yourself, you'd lower yourself for the sake of others, to bring others to Christ, to be a servant, to, 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 to show and express the character of Christ. All these things. It's God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's a wonderful definition of the grace of God right there. That's exactly what he's doing. He's working it out in your life. But I tell you what, you better work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Do you know that you know that you know that you are saved? What uh, what some tre- tremendous thoughts to, to consider today as we look at uh, uh, having the mind of Christ. As we go into this weekend, I want to challenge us. Uh, do you have the mind of Christ? We can look at that and say, well, that's so high to reach. How can you say, hey, we're commanded to. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ. And he lays out what was the mindset. Hey, folks, lower yourself. Knock knock yourself down a few pegs. Esteem others better than yourselves. Humble yourself. Lay down your life. Lay down your ambitions. Lay down some things. Lay down your pride so that you might be a blessing in serving others and ultimately pointing them to the Lord Jesus Christ. But even addition, even even adding to that uh, the, the idea of mentoring them along, bringing others along. Hey, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ. And I uh, hope that's a help to us as we go into this weekend. And I want to challenge you. Maybe uh, go over that verse, those verses again and, and maybe bring your kids around and, uh, and say, what do you guys think about these? And, and, uh, and talk about that a little bit. That's a powerful portion of Scripture. I could probably spend a whole week just on that. Uh, but what I'm trying to do is just kind of touch on the surface and as we go through uh, kind of devotionally uh, through the Scriptures. But uh, hope that's a help to you and a blessing.